Yeah, we're going to talk about a story today. We're going to tell the story of John chapter 4, one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible about a woman. And we're going to look at what Jesus did in that woman's life. And we're going to have faith to believe that what Jesus did for this woman, he can do for any of you women. You're, you're all women and God loves you. And I feel it's really important that we say that at the beginning. So let's just read the story. I'll read bits and pieces and we'll kind of go through the whole thing. But let's start at John chapter 4 and let's start with verse 3. It says, Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Now, you'll know that uh, last week we talked about how he had been around Jerusalem and then around that Judea area where he had met up with Nicodemus, it seems at the moment, just where we're reading, that he's having these encounters with different people. So he had left all of that and he was now moving and had made this decision that he was going to move from Judea, the area around Jerusalem, and he was going to move up to Galilee. And for those of you who, who, who have been to Israel, you'll know that Jerusalem and Judea are in the south of the country and Galilee is away up in the north. So of course he was going to walk. It was a long walk. And at this particular time, the disciples would have looked at Jesus and they would have been very confident that he was going to go to Galilee on a particular route where he would have had to cross the Jordan River twice because the Jews hated the Samaritans so much and the Samaritans hated the Jews so much that they would hardly have said each other's name without spitting. They, the Jews uh, considered that, that uh, to be a dog, to be a Samaritan was worse than being a dog. They had such uh, a terrible uh, relationship between these two communities that the Jewish people would not walk through Samaria. And what they did was at the bottom of the country, they, Jerusalem, if you're standing this way and you're looking at the country, Jerusalem's at the bottom, they would have gone to the right, crossed the Jordan River, gone up the outside of the country and crossed back over the Jordan River to come to Galilee. That's the route they took in order to avoid going through Samaria. So can you imagine the look and the gasp of, uh, of astonishment uh, with the disciples when suddenly Jesus turned in the direction, in the direct route of going straight to get to, to Samaria. So this was a huge, a huge um, thing for Jesus to do. And uh, I, I've written in your notes that he was going, Jesus had set his mind, he said he needed to go through Samaria. And I've written in your notes, you could say Samaria or some area. Because Samaria was some area. To be going through. It was full of bigotry and hatred. It had a lot of intrigue about it from the past. It actually went back to the time when in 721 BC when the Assyrians had come down from the north and had come down to attack northern Israel and had ravaged the land and a lot of Assyrians came and lived and settled in Samaria and a lot of the Samaritans were taken off and captive taken up to, to, up to Syria itself. So there was a mixture here, a, a, a mixed race of people because there was intermarriage and of course the Assyrians had brought pagan gods with them and so they all mixed up with the Jewish religion and the, the Jewish people absolutely hated the Samaritans. I've written in your notes that the hatred between Jew and Samaritan was palpable. 
So you can imagine the gasp of unbelief when Jesus turned to take the direct route towards Samaria. And when he arrived, he arrived at a city called Sychar, which was a city of Samaria. And they came directly to Joseph's, or came to Jacob's well, and they arrived around 12 o'clock noontime, which was the hottest time of the day. The time when nobody in their right mind would be going out to, to get water at that time of the day. It would have been far too hot. And uh, so Jesus was weary. He had just arrived. He sat down by the well. Let's just read it. It says, He came to the city of Samaria, verse 5, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, being weary from his journey, sat this thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, that's 12 noon uh, in our time. And it says in verse, uh, verse 7 that a woman of Samaria came to draw water. We'll just stop there for a moment. I wanted just to give you a little bit of background about this woman's, this woman's past. She was what we would say a woman with a past. And we don't read it here, but further down the chapter we get a little glimpse uh, because we get, uh, get to know and get a little window into her life that this woman had been divorced and or separated five times. Divorced, sorry, I shouldn't say it that way. Divorced and or bereaved five times. She had five husbands. So whether they all divorced her or whether some of them divorced her and others died, we, we don't know. Uh, but we know that she had five husbands, and the, the husband that she was current, the man that she was currently living with wasn't her husband. And we get this little window into her life. And I just felt like saying early on that this window into this woman's life gives us enough to know that this woman had suffered pain. It just screams pain. You don't go through five marriages whatever way they've gone. Even if they've been good marriages, the loss of a good husband would break your heart. And whether they were good or bad marriages, whatever way they, whether they were twisted, whether she was divorced, whether she was shamed, whether she lost someone who really loved her with all his heart, I can tell you if she was married five times, this woman knew what it was like to suffer pain. This was a woman who was in a desperate situation. And the fact that she was with another man but wasn't married to him in that community would have caused horrendous ridicule and, and being ostracized by her community. Because that community was so uh, conservative and so insular and such a strict religious community, they would have treated her with real contempt. And it would have caused an uproar for this woman not only to have gone through so many husbands, but to have actually been living with someone who wasn't her husband. So I just felt it was really, really important to, to say that this woman had suffered a lot of pain, and I believe in particular sexual pain. And I really felt it was really important to say that sexual pain seems to have a pain about have a pain that's different to other kinds of, of pain. It seems that that there's that sexual pain is a, through, is caused through sexual sin. And it seems that sexual sin causes us great pain and different to the other things that cause us pain. I want to read to you just a few verses from 1 Corinthians 6 where this particular thing is mentioned. A lot of people believe that, that all sin causes the same pain. Well, sin does cause pain, but sexual sin is particularly painful, I believe, according to Scripture. It says, 
and, and I'm not going to read it all. You can read it on your own time. First Corinthians 6, verses 13 down to 20. I'm just going to slip into um, verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man or a woman does is outside the body. But he or she who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. It's a different kind of sin. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, but you were bought at a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so we just see, and I want to just make that point, that this is a woman who was suffering spiritually because of the sexual sin that was in her life. She may have been sinned against. Who knows what happened inside those five marriages who knows what this woman went through sexually who knows what she went through uh, physically who knows what she went through emotionally we don't know but we know after five marriages we know that this woman suffered so that's to paint the background and i think it's very interesting that jesus said to his disciples that he must go through samaria he needed to go through samaria you see jesus jesus was a real man but he was also truly God. And as a real man who never sinned, he lived his life in constant fellowship with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. The Trinity was walking in flesh. He was, he was a real man, but he was united and in one with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. And that's why he could speak words of wisdom. That's why he knew things. And, and that's why when we're close to God and we're walking close to God and, and we're, our sins are forgiven and we're open and we've given our lives over to him, that's why God can, can show us things. That's, why God, that's how God can give us words of knowledge for people. That's how through the Spirit, if we're one with Christ, that's how God can, can move in all kinds of spectacular ways in our lives. But Jesus did it perfectly because he was a perfect man and he was in perfect union with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. And so he knew that this woman needed to meet him. And you know what, ladies, he knows. Those of you who are here this morning, I want to tell you this. He's already been waiting for you to arrive he knows all about you. He knows what's going on in your life right now. He knows what's in your mind. He knows the things that concern you. He knows your troubles. He knows your family situations. He knows all about your relationships. He knows everything about your financial situation. He knows everything about your health and your body. He knows everything about you. And he has been waiting here for you to arrive this morning. That's, that's mind-blowing, isn't it? It's the same, the same God. The same Jesus. And so he knew everything about her and about, uh, about what she had gone through. And, and I've just written in your notes here that the brief details of her story, the fact that she was married five times and, and living with someone who wasn't married, gives us this glimpse into emotional loss, grief, disappointments, rejection, ridicule, shame. Remember, shame is a big one. Abandonment betrayal and so much more and she probably came to the well at the hottest time of the day because she felt ostracized misunderstood and judged by the woman in her own community can you imagine a worse situation can you imagine what this woman felt like 
And so as we continue reading, we're going to see the woman arrived. Let's continue looking at verse 7. It says, She came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. I want you just to take a wee note of that, just that wee verse there, verse 8. Jesus was on his own. The disciples had gone into the city to buy food. I just want you to register that fact because we're going to look at that at the very end. The woman arrived. Now here's the thing. It was unheard of and scandalous for any Jewish man to talk to any woman in public, let alone a Samaritan, and let alone a Samaritan woman who was shunned by her own community. We were in Israel a couple of years. We were there last year. We're there this year. (laughs) And last year and the year before. But a couple of years ago, I had a friend with me in Israel and we were at the Temple Institute, which is the Orthodox Jews. And we had this conversation. They were very helpful and we were asking questions. And as we went to go uh, to leave, my friend put her hand out to shake hands and he he stepped back. Because as as a... as a Jew who was um, Orthodox, he wasn't allowed to touch a woman, not even to shake her hand. And that's in this modern day that we're living in now. Can you imagine? I just tell you that. I just mentioned that to try to get you to understand what a scandalous thing it was that Jesus, a man on his own, actually opened up a conversation with this woman who was shunned by her own community. I mean, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And do you know what? He just started to talk to her. We were, we were talking earlier in the prayer room about the importance of just talking to people, the importance of conversation. And he asked her, could she give him a drink? And the result was, was very, very, uh, a, a great surprise from this woman. She was astounded because she said, how is it that you, being a Jew, would ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She was right there. There was no dealings between both of these communities. And so this woman was absolutely amazed that he had uh, asked her for a drink, that he'd even spoken to her. And I've just written in your notes, how many of us feel unloved, insecure and self-conscious? How many of us feel we don't fit in? And how many of us fear what people are going to think of us? You know, I meet so many people who say they don't like coming into a group like this because they don't feel the fit. And that's a lie from the enemy, because you do fit. And you see, uh, this woman had put barriers around herself for her own protection because she felt so vulnerable, because the woman in her community, I guess the woman, woman in particular in her community, treated her so badly that she had put these barriers around herself But listen, Jesus was going to very gently break through the barriers and that's what he wants to do today. If you've come in here today and you just feel, oh, nobody nobody talks to me and and you're just a little bit afraid of anyone coming close and you you just feel to protect yourself, you just need to put that little barrier around yourself and sit on your own and hope no one comes to talk to you, I want to tell you that Jesus wants to talk to you. That Jesus wants to very gently... And not in a scary way, but in a beautiful way, he wants to just get through those barriers. He wants to get to the real you. He wants to connect with you today. (laughs) Jesus was actually going to break down uh, not just the judgmental attitudes of the woman who who thought she was so bad for having all of this 
uh, all of this mix-up and confusion in her life through her marriages, all of the judgment that she had to suffer and being misunderstood by the women who, 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 who were her peer group. But Jesus can also break through the political and the religious and even the gender divide that there was way back then. Jesus can break through anything. Whatever way you feel that you're isolated or that you're separate or you're different to, to others, listen, let me tell you, Jesus knows how to break through. And he wants to do that for you this morning. I love Ephesians. I love the whole book of Ephesians. But Ephesians 2, uh, verses 13 and 14, talk about those who were afar off have now been brought near. And he talks about how, how Jesus has broken down the wall of division that separates us from each other. God wants us to be one in Christ with him. He wants us to, to be one body in Christ. I mean, it's incredible that we're brought into the community, the family of God, that salvation, that when we trust Jesus as our saviour, that actually we come into the family of God. And so Jesus had asked her for a drink. And verse 10 says, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus is saying, he's saying, uh, if you'd only known the gift of God. What's the gift of God? Well, Romans, Romans 6 and 23, you know what it says? It says that the wages of sin is death. That's what Satan offers you. You just continue sinning, just continue trying to do life yourself and never, never, being, never having a, an encounter with Jesus, never inviting him to be your saviour. If you just continue in that ordinary lifestyle which involves sin, then the wages of that is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And that's what Jesus was offering this woman. Life, real life. And if there's any of you in this room this morning and, and you've come here and maybe you don't feel you fit in and maybe you're not sure what's going on, I want to say to you that real life and real living is only to be found in Jesus Christ. That he came to die on the cross that he would pay the price for our sin so that any sin that we have, that we hold, we're all sinners, we're born in sin, but that he took that sin on himself so that it could be lifted off us and that we could receive that life that he talks about. Jesus said he came to give us life and give it more abundant. So Jesus was saying to her, basically he was saying, if you knew who I was, Basically, if you knew that I was the Messiah, the one that God the Father has sent down to die on the cross for your sins, you would have asked me and I would have given you the gift of eternal life. That's not just the gift of going to heaven. That's the gift of knowing eternal life and connection with heaven, connection with God on this earth. Eternal life starts now. It's not something you die and go to eternal life. Etern quality of life is eternal life that starts right now. And he was saying to this woman, if you just knew who I was, you would ask me, and I'd give it to you. And that's the same today. He's just saying, here, look, if you don't know me as your saviour, you've never actually consciously said, Lord, please come into my heart and forgive my sins. If you've never done that, he's saying, would you not just do that? Because I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to come and connect with you whilst you clean. And so the same, the same opportunity is here today. And in verse 11, the woman said, Sir, you've nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? 
Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a fountain of water springing into eternal life. I tell you, this woman didn't understand. She was talking about one thing and he's talking about another. She's talking about a natural drink out of a natural well, but he's talking about spiritual drink spiritual life and and he's talking about something that is born of the spirit the same as he was speaking to nicodemus he nicodemus was thinking of natural jesus was thinking of spiritual and it's the same here again this woman is thinking of the the water that's in the well but he was talking about the holy spirit and i've written in the notes he was talking about the holy spirit which he later described as a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life I love, um, I love this uh, New Living Translation in John chapter 7. This is where Jesus spoke a few chapters later. Here's what he said about the Holy Spirit. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his Father's glory. Jesus knew he was going to the cross. And he knew that when he died on the cross, he knew that salvation would be given completely as a gift. And at the moment of receiving that gift, the Holy Spirit would (coughs) come right into an individual. And from that moment on, the Holy Spirit would be like a fountain of life bubbling up. For those of you who know Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour, how many times have you experienced, maybe whenever you're worshipping or maybe whenever you're reading the Word and God just speaks to you, how many of you have just felt that sense right from your stomach, right from your bottom of your gut, that sense of joy that just bubbles up? Any, put your hand up if you know what I'm talking about. There is a job because the Holy Spirit is actually in you at that moment of salvation. I hope if there's anyone in here today and you don't know Jesus as Saviour, I hope I'm making you jealous. <laughs> I hope I'm giving you a real taster. You know the way William loves tasters. He go around Marks and Spencer's and he's looking like mad to see. <laughs> Are there any samples going around here? That's William's delight. Look for the samples. Look for the tasters. I hope we could give you a taster today. Because at the moment that you ask Jesus to come and save you, the Holy Spirit comes. It's a miracle. Supernatural. It's supernatural life. It's the life that he gives that's more abundant than you could ever imagine. Supernatural living. Comes to live in you. And it's like a fountain that bubbles up. And when you're walking and, and, and you're enjoying God and you're walking in obedience and you know he's cleansed, you know, there's this bubbling going up inside. It's an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. It's ongoing. And Jesus was saying, this is a natural well. This is natural water. But what I'm offering you is spiritual. And actually, you know, I love the way everything Jesus said is tied up with the word. And right back in the Old Testament in Isaiah 12, verse 3, here's what it says. God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Therefore, with joy, you will draw from the you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Isn't it amazing? You see, it all ties in. The old and the new tie in so beautifully. 
And so Jesus is presenting this to her. He's saying, uh, he's saying, this is a different type of well. And do you notice that she said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Did you notice that? I'll tell you something. That well was deep. It is deep. It, we were there in the summer and you can look over. In fact, next time we go, we're going to go right down to the well because you can go right down and you can draw up water. It's 150 feet deep. The same well's still there. It's under a church now. It's protected from the elements. But you can go and you can pull it and pull it and pull it and get a drink of the coolest, most beautiful, pure water. And it's right there from the days of Jacob. Isn't that incredible? That's where he sat. He sat on that well and the woman beside him. And he's, he's saying it's not this kind of water. It's water that comes from heaven. It's spiritual water. It's spiritual life. She said the well is deep. Yes, 150, 150 feet deep. Yes, it was definitely deep. with a deep well. And, and one of my friends who was there said, you pull and you pull and you pull. You think you're never going to get it up because it's so deep. But you know what? The well of salvation is far deeper. It's a well of infinity. God's, the depth of the riches of God's love and his grace. The well of salvation is so much deeper. There's no ending to it. God's resources are so wonderful. And so we need, just as we, I just thought this was interesting, just as we need water, natural water for life, we need, it, we need water for life, we need water if we're going to grow, and we need water for nourishment. In exactly the same way, spiritual life, spiritual water does the same thing. We can't have spiritual life unless we drink from the fountain of God. It's, it's, it's supernatural water of life. And we can't grow until we can tell you drinking. And we aren't refreshed on a daily basis unless we're drinking from the word every day. No wonder the psalmist said, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs and is in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. And then he goes on to say, your loving kindness is better than life. My soul shall be satisfied. My mouth shall praise you with joy, with joyful lips. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and a thirsty land. I tell you, we are living in a dry and thirsty world where there isn't any water. There's really no nothing in the world can satisfy the thirst that you have. There's a thirst in every man and woman that is longing for they know not what, what and it's only to be found in Jesus. Whatever is wrong in your life, whatever way you're feeling, whatever has prompted you to come here this morning, if you don't know Jesus, then do you know what? I'm going to tell you what you need. You need a drink from the fountain of God's love. You need to, be, you need to take this, this living water. You need to receive the gift that Jesus wants to give you today. He wants to give you his salvation. And he wants to give you a drink out of his fountain, out of his, out of his well of life. So he's presented this to the woman. And the very next verse, verse 15, uh, she says, Sir, give me this water. He has won her heart. I wonder as I'm speaking here, am I, am I getting through to you? Am I winning your heart? I think there's some, maybe there's only one, maybe there's a few more who don't actually know Jesus yet. Am I winning your lips? Am I, am I actually making you to the point where you're about to say, Mrs, would you help me to get to know this? This wee woman says, Sir, give me this water. But look what Jesus said. We're down to verse, we're down to verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I might not thirst nor come here to draw. So she's still thinking a bit on the natural. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. 
The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and the Jews say that it's in Jerusalem is the place where we should worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we worship. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. For the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So do you see what was happening here? She had come to this point of saying, give me the water. I want this water. She's still thinking it's something supernatural about the ordinary well. And Jesus gives her what we would call now a word of knowledge. Because he's, because he's one with his father, he can see and he understands what this woman is going on in her life. And he gives her a word of knowledge and it's not to shame her, but it's to bring her into a place of freedom. You see, until things are brought into the light, we can't be free. Jesus said that, 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 those, who would be, that, that, that those who would want to be free that, that would be the truth that would set you free. And so he's bringing her situation into the light so that he can bring her right into position so that she can have the real deal, that she can really come to know him. And you see, he wants her to be free. He wants her to experience salvation. And this woman, as soon as he gave her this word of knowledge, she immediately realises he's a prophet. Did you notice before she called him sir? Now all of a sudden she's realising he's not just an ordinary man, he's a prophet. And she says, I perceive that you're, you must be a prophet if you can tell me things like this. So she's getting a little bit more aware. But it seems that she's kind of still trying to protect herself because she goes into the, she goes into the religion mode. Did you notice that? It's between our, well, our father said you'd do it here. And, you know, the Jews say that you worship down in Jerusalem. And she goes into the whole thing about religion. And Jesus just cuts through all of that <coughs> conversation. And he says, do you know what? It's not actually about religion. It's about my father looking for whoever is going to worship me in spirit and in truth. It's not about that mountain or the other mountain. It's not about that church or the other church. It's not about going to these people or that people. It's about the heart between a person and God. Jesus was making this real simple to her, wasn't it? And you know, it's not about your church, it's not about my church, it's not about anything else, it's not about your religion or my religion, it's not about any of those things. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus. And he was inviting her. He was wanting this woman to step over the line. And so he tells her that his Father in heaven is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now I want you to watch very, very carefully what happens in the next verses because I think this is quite amazing at this particular point look down in verse 25 if you've got your Bibles, if you haven't just listen verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ when he comes, he will tell us all things, now she's getting a little bit closer now there's some things she's been taught that she knows are true and she knows she's heard and she believes that Messiah is coming to the world. And she's saying, whenever he comes, he'll sort it all out. So he's gently brought her through the, the conversation about the religious bit, and he's got her through that, and now he's got her to the point where she's saying, well, I know that, that Messiah, the Christ, the one that God's going to send, is coming, and he'll show us all things. Now here is a, perhaps 
one of the most astounding verses in the Bible. This is perhaps the greatest thing that you could read in this Bible because look what it says. Jesus, remember Jesus hadn't revealed himself to really the rich people, to the, to the politicians, to the religious leaders. He hadn't really told them outright who he was. And here he is. He's standing in front of this woman, a shunned, shunned, shamed Samaritan woman across the divide that Jew would not cross in the natural. And Jesus, can you imagine, he's looking into her eyes as he's talking. And as he looks into her eyes and as she looks into his eyes, here's what Jesus said. I, who speak to you, am he. In other words, in the original language, he actually looked her in the eyes and he said, I am. I am the I am. The I am of the Old Testament. The God of the Old Testament that, that the Jews revered would not even mention his name. They would not say his name. They had such revere for God. This man, Jesus, looks into the eyes of this sinful woman and he looks her in the eyes and he says, I am the I am. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that was like? I want to just read my notes on this. Literally translated, he said, I am. And it seems that, that at that moment, this woman had a revelation as she looked into the eyes of God. Can you imagine? She was looking into the eyes of God. The great I am of the Old Testament was looking into her eyes. And what she saw and experienced must have been unadulterated love. Can you imagine? God is love. She saw the truth of who he was, the Messiah, and what he had come to do. He had come to make her clean and free and loved. And in that moment of revelation, now I put this wee bit, this is my bit. It doesn't say she dropped the water pot, but I think she did. <laughs> Just adding that wee bit in. It says she left it, but I think she was that mesmerised and that gobsmacked. I think she dropped it. And she went off to tell the world. She just left everything. And at that very moment, the disciples came back. Where had they been? They'd been in town buying some food. And at that very moment, the disciples come back. And uh, this woman is standing. She's dropped the water pot or left the water pot. And she just takes off into the city. And she takes off into the city to start to tell the people around her about Jesus. I think it's amazing that a woman who was so afraid of, of meeting people that she came to the well at a time when she knew or she thought nobody else would be there. I think it's amazing that after one glimpse into the eyes of Jesus and after something happening between her and Jesus, a moment of faith, a moment of understanding, a moment of revelation, in, a, in one moment... That this woman is all of a sudden empowered to go into the city and to start to tell everybody about this man. What was it that absolutely wrecked her? What was it that gave her that power? What was it that gave her that courage? She, she had been so ashamed and cowering in the darkness and 
keeping it over everybody's way. Here she is, and she's saying, he told me everything I ever did. I wrote in your notes, I guess she must have felt fully known, forgiven, loved and free for the first time in her life, and she couldn't stop talking about it. I'll tell you, there's something so freeing when you know that you're really known. Do you know, we know each other to a certain extent, but we can't really fully know there's something in our every person's spirit on this planet that longs to be known. Isn't that right? You long for people to know you, the real you. I tell you, only God can really know you because he made you, he created you, he has seen you in the womb, he knows everything about you. And this woman, I believe, felt totally known and loved and loved with a love that she could never have imagined. The love of God surpasses any love relationship in this world. God is love. He's the essence of love. And what she saw in his eyes that, that day, I believe, totally transformed him. And she transformed her. And she could not keep quiet about it. She knew he was the Christ, the promised one, the Messiah. And it tells us, as we read down through here, that many believed because of the word of the woman. Let's just read a little bit further. Verse 29. Come see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Verse 29. Could this be the Christ? And then further down the chapter you'll see verse 39. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, come to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the saviour of the world. Now, did you notice that at the moment where this, where this woman has had a, a revelation of Jesus and of his love and who he is and that he's come to save her and, and that he's not judging her. There's no condemnation. At that moment, so many things must have been a revelation to her. She must have just seen that love and realised that she was clean. She realised that he was the Messiah who was coming to die for her, that she could be made clean and whole and pure and ready for all that God had for her. And, and all of a sudden, she goes out. Now, she hasn't gone to Bible college she hasn't done three weeks preparation uh, as a discipleship group. She still she hasn't actually gone to sort out this with this guy that she's living with. She hasn't done any of that. Nothing sorted like. But this woman is straight out there, and what's she doing? She's just talking to people. She's just telling them because she can't. It's in her. She's had this experience. She can't stop talking about this experience that she's had with Jesus. And everywhere she goes, she's just bubbling it out. And you know what? People are listening. And people, life, her life has been transformed. And the people around her, their lives are being transformed. And I'm just looking at you, Gillian. And last, last week, we, oh, a couple of weeks ago, we prayed for Gillian's mother, that she would come to know Jesus. And the very next week, Gillian came here and she said, her mother got saved. And we were celebrating. And this week she came and said, my mother's that excited about this. She's running around telling everybody about Jesus. That's what happens. Because the joy that is released in being connected to Jesus 
The joy that is released when our sins are forgiven, when we don't carry that old burden anymore, when we start to think differently, when we realise our mind is rewired now to think the way Jesus thinks in his word, and we realise that things we believed and tormented us, they're all lies, and we realise we've got a new way to live, and we've got a whole different life ahead of us. Our lives are transformed. This woman was transformed. Her life was transformed. She couldn't stop talking about this Jesus. And, and as soon as she took off like a catapult, the, the disciples had just arrived back and it says that the disciples had brought this food and look what Jesus said it says in verse 31 in the meantime his disciples urged him saying Rabbi eat so they brought this food for him to eat and Jesus said therefore he said my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not laboured. Others have laboured and you have entered into their labours. Isn't it quite amazing that right in the moment... (laughs) For this little Samaritan lady is released to go to be a, a, a witness in the harvest field that Jesus is talking to his disciples. And, and he's saying, do you know what? We all need to eat. Food is necessary for us to live. But Jesus was saying, my food, really what I find necessary, is to do the will of my father, to do to finish his work, He's referring to the harvest field and he's, he's encouraging these disciples. There is a harvest field and it's no point in saying, well, it will be ready in, in, in two or three months. He's saying, do you not see it? It's already quite on to harvest. Now, Neil McClellan, who's one of the elders in this church, we had a conversation with him quite recently and he knows quite a wee bit about, about crops and one thing or another. And he says that if you see a crop and it's turned white, that's at the point where it's almost past. If you don't get it harvested quickly, you're going to lose it. And I want to tell you today that there's a harvest field out there and it's not just for one or two who stand at the front here. It's for every one of us. We don't have to go to a Bible school. We don't have to go through all... We just have to talk the gospel. We have to talk. We have to enter into conversations with people. And we had the most wonderful time in the prayer room earlier uh, when, whenever Fiona was saying how she had just spoken to someone and, 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 and walking up the road and in conversation, leaning over a garden, had said to someone, you know, you should get saved or you need to be saved. And discovered without even realising it long after that that person had got saved. And I, I wouldn't, I'm maybe not going to say to you who that was, but it's somebody in our church who's a very leading role in this church. Listen, it doesn't take very much. It just means that we're released from this fear. This woman came afraid. This woman came trying to hide herself and, and feeling the shame and all. Listen, the moment she found Jesus, she was released from all of that and she just wanted to tell the gospel. She just wanted to bubble it out and, 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 and she wanted to lead people to Christ and that's exactly what happened there was a, a real move of God many became Christians but here's the thing seven years later seven years later you can read about it in Acts 8 uh, verses 5 to 8 and maybe we'll read it in a moment Jesus had gone back to heaven and a man called Philip had come down to Samaria and he started to preach in Samaria 
And guess what? Revival broke out in Samaria. I'm going to read it actually. It's in Acts chapter 8. And let's just read what it says. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, verse 5, and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, do you hear this? The multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. Do you think that we Samaritan woman had anything to do with that? I'm pretty sure she had laid the ground. I'm pretty sure that through that encounter with Jesus, that she had gossiped the gospel and talked and done all that she could to everybody she met, just telling them about Jesus, so that the ground was ripe, and so revival broke out. And I have written in your notes here that, that God works behind the scenes to catch your attention. I believe that he, he knew, what he, he said he needed to go through some area. He was going there because he, he really wanted to speak to this woman. Because he, he loved her and he knew that she was in pain and he wanted to reach out to her. But on top of that, he had a purpose for her. He knew that she was going to be key in the harvest field. And he knows everything about you. And, and he, he, he loves that you've come here. But listen, he has been here waiting for you just the way he waited for the Samaritan woman. And he wants you to know that whatever pain you're going through or whatever's going on in your life, he wants you to know that he wants to give you the gift of eternal life and he wants to turn your life around and he wants to turn you into a, a woman who will go into his harvest. Not on your own, but he'll go with you. And he wants you to know the joy, the joy, the supreme joy that is actually more to you than food the thing that makes life worthwhile the, the food that jesus said was to do his father's will and to finish his work that is the best joy and purpose and feeling it's food to us it's everything we need and he's saying that's what i want to do for you i want to i want to yes i want to give you the gift of eternal life but I want to give it to you that you'll start to experience it now. Not just when you get to heaven, but right now. And you'll begin to realise with that there's a purpose for you. And as you start to just to let the, the joy bubble out to those around you, God will do the rest. And there'll be many, many people come into the kingdom because of you. He wants to catch your attention so as to lead you to a revelation of his love and goodness. I pray in the name of Jesus that right now, if there's anyone in this room who does not know Jesus, as Saviour and Lord, I ask right now, Lord, by your Spirit, would you open their eyes to get a look into the eyes of Jesus, to see the love and the goodness, to see the burning love in the eyes of Jesus, that he would go to the cross to die for you, to give you the gift of eternal life, to change your life around. God, I pray you would give a revelation just the way you did to this woman of Samaria. Would you give it, Lord? to one or two or three or whoever, Lord, that you're looking right into the eyes of, the eyes of today. May there be salvation in this house today. He wants to catch your attention so as to lead you to a revelation of his love and goodness so that you will totally trust him for salvation but with everything else as well. Not just for salvation but for your very lifestyle. He will teach you how and give you all the resources that you need to do his will, to be a witness 
in your circle of influence to bring in his harvest. And here's the thing. Who knows where that will end? Who knows what that will lead to? That wee woman, when she went out, straight out into the city and started to tell people what had happened to her, she didn't know that seven years later that a man called Philip would come and that a whole city would be turned around and there would be tremendous joy in the city. She didn't know that. Who knows where your act of obedience will end? But the question remains, are you ready to move with God? Matthew 9, we're not going to read it, verses 36 to 38. Jesus again, in a different gospel, speaks about the harvest field. And he speaks about how he, Jesus, is the Lord of the harvest. He wants us to come as labourers and he wants us to, to step out with him by the power of his spirit and to see others being brought into his kingdom. Do you know what? This all started with Jesus having a simple conversation with a simple woman. And you know what? There's not one of us here that can't talk. There's not one of am I right? There's not one of us who can't have a conversation. And that's where it starts. It starts with a conversation. It starts with showing the love of God. And we can be guided and led and we can see all kinds of things happening. And we are, when we trust Jesus as Saviour and Lord, we come into the one body of Christ. It doesn't matter if we're going to 20 different churches. We're all one body in Christ. And we minister to each other. I had a phone call. I was telling them in the prayer room. I had a phone call from a friend on Saturday night who had gone to Tesco's to get away from a situation that was full of temptation. And she was in Tesco's and she was going around like a wee lost wolf. And she said, in the middle of it, this couple came over and said, we just feel God's prompted us to pray with you. And it was just a moment that just set her on her feet because she was trying to run away from temptation. They didn't know her. She didn't know them. They're not even from this church. But they're from the body of Christ. And you see, God, if you start to step out and start to trust God, he will show you people to go to. He will prompt you. The Holy Spirit will prompt you to go and speak to individuals and to pray with individuals. They prayed in Tesco's in front of everybody. They had a prayer meeting in Tesco's. And she came home and she was full of it on the phone to me. She said, I'm absolutely buzzing. Isn't God amazing? He had already done an amazing thing a couple of nights before for her as well. He said, God, who will blow your mind? He's a God who will do things outside the box. Stop trying to box him in and make him into some religious thing. He is not tied in with religion. He's a God of the ages. He's a God who knows no bounds. He's a God who loves you with an everlasting love. And he's saying, well, if, you only, if you would only ask me, I would give you the gift of eternal life. That's salvation. That's going to heaven for sure. But it's far more than that. It's the quality of this life now. It's knowing the purpose of carrying the word of God and speaking and, and encouraging people and praying with people and having words for people. It's a whole new level of life. And it's available for you. And it's all because Messiah, Jesus the Christ, left heaven and moved out of heaven, came down to this world, went to the cross, died for your sins, died for mine, rose again, proving that everything had been paid for. It was God was satisfied. The sacrifice was enough. God the Father was satisfied. Anyone who comes to me in the name of my Son is now legally welcomed into the family. All done. All we have to do is to receive him by faith. And you know what? He moved out of heaven for you 
And he's asking you, are you ready to move for him? Are you ready to move forward for him? One wee thing just before I finish. A way back when I was in my 20s, I was at a meeting and I heard, actually it was Bob Hewitt I heard speaking, some of you might know Bob, he was speaking down in the centre in Newcastle. And a friend and I were there that night. And we came out of that meeting, he preached on Romans 12, beseeching you to give your bodies a living sacrifice, uh, that's a reasonable service, so that you might not be conformed to this world, but that you might be transformed. Same with this woman, she was transformed. We came out, we were absolutely, really felt God had spoken to us. And we were both, oh God, what, what could we do? We didn't know what we could do. What could we do? How could we give our bodies? How could we? And both of us had worked in a couple of different places, same places, for, with some young people with disability. And we thought, you know what? We could maybe take a few of those ones away for a weekend. Why don't we organise that? And we organised that without going into any detail. Do you know how long ago that was? 45 years. Do you know what's happened? I haven't had anything to do with that now from William was born. Do you know what? It's still going. People are getting saved nearly every year. And this Friday I'm going to a dinner to meet up with the ones that are carrying on. I tell you what, all you've got, it's not your job to keep doing it. I am out of it now for years. It's your job to be obedient. What's in your hand? What could you do? That's the way we've got to start thinking. Not, oh, I own, the only thing I can do, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't speak at the front or I couldn't. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You just have to be obedient. That's the most important thing. And see one, see one conversation could change somebody's life. It could change somebody's life. A friend of mine asked me a few years ago to go and see a lady. I went down to see her, didn't even know her from Adam. Do you know what? She's become one of my dearest friends. And do you know what? When I met her, she said to me, she said, I feel like stone and she looked like stone. She was a woman who could have no emotions. Do you know what? That woman has found Christ. That woman is transformed and she's on the most amazing journey. Do you know what? My life, that, it's so exciting. It's more important than the bread you eat. Jesus said, my, my food is to do the will of my Father and to finish his work. There's a tremendous call in all your lives. Girls, it's time. It's high time that we took this more seriously and we begin to obey and keep ourselves walking in the light, in his love, in his light, ready. I said earlier, I know I'm past my time now, but I said earlier in the prayer room, I believe that 2020 is coming up. At this time of the year, I always start to pray. What do we do? What, Lord, what's the next year about? What do you want to say to us? And I felt that God said to me, next year is about 2020 vision. I believe God wants us to see clearly, more clearly next year than ever. We will be the woman who will see and discern what God's doing, what the Holy Spirit's doing, and that we can get alongside him and work with what the Spirit of God is doing. Not out on our own doing something else, out our, but discerning what's God doing and getting alongside of it and, and putting the weight into, that, into, into what he's doing, putting our weight into that. Do you know what, ladies? There's no telling what this group could do. See the money you give even here? I'm telling you, that money, we're discerning where to put that. We want to see the kingdom come. We want to see God. I tell you, look around what's happening. Look at the news for a night or two. And see with the wreckage and the way that the world is heading. If ever we were to lift up our heads and know that our redemption draws nigh and know that Jesus is coming back, it's now and we need to be at the harvest field. We need to be at the harvest field.
So, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for the love that you have for us. Thank you that this story of this woman, just as a little example of how you put yourself out, you moved out of heaven. Lord, you put yourself out. You needed to go to, to Samaria because you needed to contact and make it an impact on that woman's life and Lord you're longing you're longing to meet with women here today and especially those who don't know you God I call them forth that they would ask you for this gift and that you would give it to them and Lord for those of us who do know you may we be stirred up Lord to, 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 to present our bodies to you again to say Lord here we are we want to be transformed we present our bodies as living sacrifice Lord holy acceptable perfect will of God Lord we want to move we thank you that, that what you call us to do is perfect and acceptable will of God and that you transform us, Lord. We want to be transformed women, Lord. We want to live for you. We want to step out in obedience to you. Lord, we thank you and praise you right now for your goodness to us. And we commit this day to you and we pray, Lord, that there will be transforming work done in every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> We're going to sing uh, the same song again because we just felt it's a story. Uh, you've all got a story and let's just sing this and remember how much God loves us. I just sense that there's maybe somebody here this morning who feels judged and misunderstood and I just really felt prompted just to say that uh, Jesus is looking at you right now and there's no condemnation in his eyes and that he is ready to welcome you to receive the gift that he wants to give you. So if that's you, please come and let us talk and pray with you. And for anyone else who wants prayer over, over anything, uh, we would love to pray with you. Uh, these are special times that we have at the front. We have some great women here who are ready to pray and minister to you. And uh, God can transform your life, and God can, can start you off in the harvest field today in a way that you've never been before. Uh, he's, he's always a God who looks for the fresh starts, the new thing. He always wants to do the new thing. And uh, he doesn't want us to continue with old patterns. He wants to break into our lives and he wants us to have fresh encounters with him. He doesn't want us to go on an encounter we had 20 years ago or even a year ago. He wants a fresh encounter this morning with you. So if you feel that you need a fresh encounter, come up to the front. She would love to pray with you. And it's not us, we can do nothing, but you know what? God can, can speak through us. Holy Spirit's in us and we can pray for you and just be a conduit for God to do what he wants to do in your life. So we just bless you. Remember, next week is our last one. Please spread the word around, get people here for the last one and we're going to have a real celebration here next week as we remember that Jesus moved out of heaven. Christmas time he moved down to this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.